Winning the Oscars, being there. What was that like for you? Everybody knows me in Hollywood. I'm the only brown guy. I think life is full of surprises. Becoming a parent changed, you know, your work. Your changed the process. music you create. I'm married for spiritual reasons, and then had kids for spiritual reasons. You have to be in that circle of spirituality. Am I getting um, uncomfortable seeing poor people? So I wanted to test this. It's like if that happens, that something is gone from me. I don't see an Apple in India. I don't see a Microsoft in India. I don't see a Samsung in India. Why? We have everything. We're showing a visual or a, or a music piece which should take them out of the misery. I'm happy now. Hello and welcome to the Good Time Show and a very special episode of the Good Time Show. One that we have been trying to get to you for a long, long time. Um, this person is truly somebody at the very top of their industry and very rarely do we get to say that. So we have two special guests today. First up, we have Shankar Tyagasumandram. He is the founder and CEO of Audizy. Uh, they make amazing high-end, lifelike sounding audio gear. If you haven't, go check them out. Uh, and Shankar is also a longtime friend of Arthi and mine and we are thrilled to have him and he was instrumental in making this conversation happen. And the main guest, uh, I'm so excited mm -hmm. to say this, um, we've had, uh, we interviewed and talked to A.R. Rahman, who needs absolutely no introduction. Everybody knows him. Uh, he's a film music composer, singer, songwriter, now director. Um, and he's won so many awards, a couple of Academy Awards, six national awards, uh, India's Padma Bhushan, and many, many more. Uh, he's known as the Mozart of Madras, which is the city that we grew up in. So it's extra special for us. And Shankar helped make the whole thing happen. Um, I'm really excited uh, about this show. I hope you all love it too. And you all enjoyed it as much as we did. A.R. Rahman, Shankar, enjoy. Quite the honor. Uh, A.R. Rahman, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, and Shankar, we've Thank known you. each other for many years. You're yep. my senior from college. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad like, we were able to reconnect and make this whole thing happen. So we're very excited to be here. Our parents will finally be proud of us. They'll be like, you're finally You've accomplished done something in life. Something <laughs> in life. And, uh, you know, to justify all the time we spend on computers. But no, seriously, such an honor to have you here. Um, maybe, you know, one good place to start is to go all the way back to the very beginning. Um, you know, all the way back to your uh, childhood, really. Uh, what were some of the earliest memories you have of music because your family is obviously yeah. deep as music. What are some of the earliest memories? So my father, um, he was into many things. He was in music and he was playing for dramas. Then he was an arranger, was a composer and he passed very early. I remember that he took a trip to Singapore in I think 73, 74 and bought the first synthesizer in India, the Korg SH-700 or something. So he got a free trip to Japan. But in three years, he passed away, and he had all this goodies left. And without him, I would look at all this stuff, and my mother said, you need to probably rent this out for a survival. And, and before, like when he bought the first uh, keyboards, I remember he, they didn't know where the on switch was. So literally three days they were searching. It was just there, like hidden somewhere. 
So, and then I saw one of his friends ripped out the, the organ and he searched for the stuff and that's my first introduction to electronics. So when I, in around 10 or 11, I used to go for tuition to Mailapur. Mm. And I, there was a hotel called Santi Vihar. Mm -hmm. There was a book shop there. And then there was this book about electronics, how to, basics. Electronics for dummies or something like that. The for dummies series. That was yeah. quite not the, dummies, not the dummies one, the but something, something like that. So, yeah. so that intrigued me. I bought that and then I went to Richie Street and bought all these resistors and capacitors and ICs. And, and then I had a friend called Ganesh Raja and he, had, he was into all this stuff. So I pedal my cycle and go to his father's workshop where they had all this stuff. So my interest came like that and then I wanted to pursue that as an education and my mother came on the first year, third month. You don't do all this, you do what your father did. And that's when I turned into music. But then after a while, music and technology merged, like MIDI interfaces and you know, combining different synthesizers, locking them. So this fascinated me. I bought the first music computer in 84. Mm -hmm. Then Mr. Leraja called me because he knew that I was having this computer. And after the recordings, we'll go and program his music onto the computer. All that stuff happened. Then I came out, I bought my samplers and microcomposers and all this stuff. And so in a way, I started very early to adapt to what was coming in and what I'm doing now. So the foundation was laid in probably 84, 85, 86. And this was before like the internet, like you couldn't just get on Wikipedia or a forum and find things and get it no. shipped over. So the information about what's coming used to be in a, in Mount Road, there's a bookshop called the Kennedy Bookers. Yes. Okay. I used to pedal there and go and see whether any music in a magazine would come. Nothing. It'd go like five, six times and what, suddenly what you'll have... What magazines? I think it's a music maker, keyboard and all these magazines. Okay. So if you go like five, six times, you'll get a bundle of... Suddenly six magazines have come together and boom, it'll be like, I'll take it back home. And so it started like that. And then when sampling came in is when I realized... I was an introvert, of course. I, I was scared of people. Yeah. And then I realized, like, you can make music and you don't have to show it to anyone. Yeah. And you can, that, you can play it yourself. <laughs> you can play it yourself and you can check it out and yeah. you don't need the rejection or appreciation about other people. Yeah. It's what you do and that changed my life. Yeah. Then I built my studio. I did jingles and then, of course, there's no money. We built a shell and I was looking at that empty rack, 19-inch rack for ages till my mother said, okay, I'm going to give you all the jewels of what I've collected from my daughter, but you give it back. Don't don't drag me to the road. <laughs> it's amazing that she said that. And were you ever at any point where you were like, I have to go get a real job. This is not working out. I I didn't mind about that because I was the only thing I was worried about was social acceptance and yeah. will anybody give a girl to me? <laughs> those, those kind of things. It, it, I mean, in Chennai, like you know, music and that are probably hard, right? Like you know, uh, yeah. you've know, been single for a long time. This hadn't worked out. Uh, um, I was looking through one of your interviews, you spoke about the first jingle that you wound up making. Like, how was that like, finding your client doing a jingle? Yeah, I was playing for jingles for um, one of the keyboard players called Vijay Manal, who's a genius, was playing with Raja, and he used me for jingles. So I got used to the jingle fraternity. Then when I built my studio, many people I got introduced to all the agencies, O&M, mm -hmm. HTC, and uh, Bharat Bala, Rajiv Menon. Tirlok, Sharda, you know, all of them are still friends. And yeah, so got into that, which opened a whole new side, new world, international, how people do things internationally, how they're particular about perfection, quality, 
all that came through jingles actually you once spoke about i think you bought a cd of world music or, uh, or a set of world music uh, i think i don't think it was the 90s cds must have been like uh, quite way back then yeah as one of my friends sarangan who um who actually took me for a documentary to bangalore and that's when i knew there's a idea of a home studio exists there was a foreigner who was married to an indian lady who had a home studio so mm-hmm. oh my god this is great i need a home <laughs> studio too <laughs> and that's when everything my bedroom became the studio and yeah all the stuff happened community technology actually um vangelis vangelis yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he was i think um, um chariot of fire yeah el vaidinathan the composer called him he first you know i was playing for him and he invited me to his house and then he played me just hear the stuff in electronic music can somebody produce so much of feeling which one was it was a blade runner i think it was blade runner or uh, yeah. classic one of, one yeah. of the stuff classic. yeah yeah and that changed my life cut to how old were you then at that time this uh, thing 88 89 wow. got it so you fast forward oscars happens and then um we were recording some of the music uh, for the super band with Mick Jagger uh, Damian Marley and um, so we were on Paul Allen's God bless him mm-hmm. his boat yeah you know we started in Nice and we went to uh, Bodrum and and then he suddenly said we're going to Greece and he looked at me he became very friendly such a great host and he said um, AR we're going to Greece and all of a sudden I know he asked me and then Do you know anybody here? Did hey, you met Vangelis there? Exactly. Wow, wow. that is. So amazing. no, no, no. Wait, the story is. <laughs> he said, um, "Do you know anybody in Greece?" I said, "The only person I know in Greece is Vangelis." And then he silently goes, comes back in an hour, and says, "We're having dinner with him." What? That is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to his place, and Vangelis is so amazing. He was. Everybody left because they're all jet lagged kind of thing, and I was sitting there. My assistant Vivian was there. We were listening to Vangelis playing for us for like four hours. I think I still have the tapes. That's amazing. That is such a cool because I think in, in some ways I think we are experiencing this right now, right? You grow up as a child and you you know you're influenced by you know these iconic figures in your industry, and then maybe you know you reach this point you're able to meet them and you've been through this, right? That's such a remarkable feeling when you get to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Being out there and having this admiration for somebody was is far more greater than meeting them actually. because you imagine so many things yeah. you know you imagine yeah. and not the person alone but what their work yeah it's so gigantic and yeah. and the influence on you through your life um some of them say the same thing about me when i go and i said i don't even know i've i'm keep moving on i don't want to remember any of my work I just right. mm-hmm. and right. whenever there's a concert i remember the stuff mm-hmm. uh, you can never do new work otherwise so you start Oh, yeah, you know so those I days to, I did that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was going to ask: Is nostalgia a bad thing then in the field of music? Like, is it? Like- no, it's it's good and bad. If yeah. you take it too much, like so, I've taken off from Twitter that Academy winning and all the stuff. I've taken it off. Yeah. So the fresh start. Yeah. <laughs> Initialize button. <laughs> Steve Jobs. Uh, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple. Right. The first thing he did was like he saw all the historic computers they had, and he yeah. said, "Ship it all to Stanford. We don't want anything yeah, we here. Don't want anything we don't live over past glory. We're going to focus exactly. on the future." I think it's not just for me or Steve Jobs or you and me even for the for nation. I think it's important to see where we are going rather than you know bragging about fighting the over the past. Yeah. I think that's such a big statement because we we can concentrate and put all the energies and and unify people to do greater things for the future for the children for the grandchildren and 
you know, one of the things which I think really impressive about you is kind of cutting across, you know, India and the invest and kind of learning and adapting different mm -hmm. styles. And, you know, when you kind of, you know, obviously, we're going to go back to your success in the 90s in starting media, but when you kind of came to the West, how much did you were like, wait, these folks are doing things differently and then take it back and then, you know, kind of like cross-pollinate ideas and techniques? Um, actually, if you look at, uh, let me talk about the jingle stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. The jingle stuff is very close to how, what Hollywood would do. There's so many iterations, you had to keep changing, changing, changing till the client approves. Okay. And um, so, in a way, I think it was very similar to the... The, to the process of working. Yeah, working and addressing that time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. And um, in this, I think, um, because it's such a competitive field and everybody's so educated, you know, there's a music editor who's also a composer. There's a music uh, supervisor who's also a composer. Mm -hmm. There's an engineer who knows to play guitar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So everybody's so educated. So you can't, everybody, uh, they either they adore the stuff or they'll, you know, they'll find out what's wrong. So it's nice to have people who are, you know, up there. So right. you have to rise up to that level. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I look at like, you know, global cultural influence and like cross-pollination, like you said, for me, like the earliest example was uh, Iruvar. Mm. Uh, hello, Mr. Rezirkatshi. Here's a jazz track, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is this jazz influence there. Or uh, either the, again. Uh, yeah, because if you take the 60s, they were following that pa pattern and they were musicians, who were jazz musicians. And they were playing amazing things. Like, yeah. you know, in, in Chennai, there was a gentleman called Joseph Krishna. He came from Goa. And he used to play amazing violin and mm -hmm. he knew about. So, and there was a drummer who was Sivamani's guru, I think, Mr. Tony, who played jazz drums. Mm -hmm. So, this existed, I think. There was also a symphony orchestra in the 60s, I believe, in Chennai. I see. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I, uh, I didn't know that. I had no uh, idea. Yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I look at that, or we see like rap or any of that. And for us, you know, we were in India for the longest time. Of course, we had like internet and uh, we could like, look up stuff. But that was like our early entrance into like, wow, this is what jazz sounds like, yeah. mm -hmm. or this is what rap sounds like. And you know, so you were able to like bring that in. And at that point, did you realize what you were doing as like, yeah, you know, I want to do a jazz track. I want to do, no, like, I want I to bring in rap or Carnatic music. I was just like, I was telling uh, my friends that I was, probably the most likeest person mm -hmm. in the world because when I came in, the first movie, I got the biggest director. Yeah. Then he had the patience to mentor me, patience to accept whatever I did and he was appreciative about that. Then um, the first movie gets state award and national award and this award. So whatever I did, there was a responsibility kept on my head. Yeah. Oh, right. now you have to beat this. And at one point I was like, I, whatever I know, I. I put on this, what am I going to get next? What else can you yeah. do that could be better the than soft, this? Sophomore slump, uh, it, what the second second album problems that a lot of bands have. Yeah, right? but then yeah. the thing about this is film music has, uh, this, there's a script, there's there's a you know, lyric writer, there's a director. Mm -hmm. So these things uh, help help you to you know get, get a zone. Mm -hmm. And then you have to just use your mind to say what, what expression I should give for that. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to... Uh, so we were talking about like the first memory and probably for millions of Indians at least, the first instant they heard of you was Chinna Chinna Asai in Roja, Roja, right? Like that song, you know, we've actually... It's, it's now 30 years of uh, Roja, almost to the day. Yeah, 27th, right? 27th July. Was it? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be 30, 27 30 July. years uh, yeah. in, uh, in, in like a few days. And uh, and so we were actually listening to Chinna and you know, that's probably that moment like everyone was like, whoa, there's something new, something different. They may not know your name at that point and that's how we got introduced. Talk to us about just the making of Roja, working with Mani Ratnam, you know, kind of the pressure of it being like your movie. big kind of break and moment. What was that like? 
I was telling my son the same thing. Like if you're very passionate about something and you just, I want this, I want this, it never comes to you. You just have at a point where you just have to forget it and be passionate and go deep within your art and everything comes to you. You're worried about, oh, what are people talking about me in, in Google and Instagram and Twitter? And then they don't want to talk about you. But you do your work, everybody's going to talk about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we don't need to worry about that stuff. You just worry about your art. Yeah. And um, it'll all follow. That's, that's one thing I learned. No, I had like 10 years of experience as a keyboard player. Mm -hmm. And I played for almost all the composers in South. South. Then I had two, three years of jingle with international clients and all this stuff. So in a way, it was not new. Like pressure was not new. And what I have to do, I just had to focus my mind to what can I give this man who's mm -hmm. a genius, mm -hmm. who's come all the way, not to let him down. You know, he's gambled his... So there was pressure? Not a pressure, I would say. It was just concern, yeah. I think. Did you ever feel like, oh my God, he's probably not going to be happy with this? Like, no, how no, many iterations was... did you have to go through to feel like this could be good? Uh, no, he, he worked differently. He's not like, he's more like a friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He'd listen to the stuff, I like this, I like this, I like this. Can we do this? You know, can we combine these two? So those kind of, those are the, like I was like, how, why, why does he want to combine these two? They're like opposites. <laughs> and then something like Titi. Right. Yeah. There's two ideas. There's one melody idea and there was a Jadi idea. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be irritating, but then it makes a very cinematic masterpiece of what he did with that. And so Roja releases the album, the, you know, music soundtrack. You get the reception. Did you expect it at all? Did you think, oh my God, people are... Was there a moment when you were like, this movie is going to do really well. This is going to be, become a thing. There was some, you know, first of all, I didn't, I didn't worry about success or failure because I'm working with Mani Ratnam and he said, he told my mother, if this movie doesn't do well, we'll do another one, don't worry. Ah, okay. <laughs> so he was like, <laughs> he, he didn't bother about it. He's, he's a cool dude. Yeah. yeah. And he's not into, oh, this, this person is, you know, heavily into the market. He's got a big market. Now, he's not like that. He's about the sincerity of the art. Mm -hmm. If somebody's sincere about the art, he loves them. So whether I have flops or hits, it doesn't matter to him. Right. So he works with people who are passionate and who wants to give more. What is the, you know, because you work with everyone from Mani Ratanam to Danny Boyle. You know, I'm kind of curious about the back and forth between a director with a vision in, you know, his or her head, a bunch of studio executives who might have notes, you know, at any point in time, and then like the process with you, like, are they like, hey, this is what I'm trying to convey as emotion, this is the plot point. What is the back and forth? I think the, we talk about the only two things. Working with a director who's got a singular vision will be a boon, and the curse will be working with 12 executives of the studio. Is it simple? Because nobody knows what they know. A director and a composer can take the blame, but not 12 people. And they said, I don't know, he did bad music. Hmm. They could just, you know, shrug away. But so we work with a Lazy Holstrom or a Mani Ratnam or a Danny Boyle or a Shankar or Imtiaz Ali, you know, the works. They know exactly what they, they are. Want. We're working like together. We're not like, I want you to do this. No, we're working together. He responds, oh, I love that. There's a response and it's more like a friendly, like a gig rather than, right. oh, I give you money. And, and that's the worst if somebody comes to you and it's like, I'm paying you so much, do. What have you done? Do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. Kind of Why did you just do it so quickly? Let me torture you more. Give me more iterations. You know, I was listening to it with like Zimmer working with Nolan. He was talking about how sometimes he's a footage and he's like, oh, wait, I'm actually going to do something different based on. And has it been something where you like see what's been shot and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, this. Well, recently on Iravan Niral, I know the Parthivan's movie. Um, so he told me the story and it was about a negative character. And then it goes deeper, 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 negative, negative, negative. 
I said, but why should people see this? And not that we need to be a morally, you know, like balance it. So I was watching TV and I was watching, uh, and I lo love to listen to Tamar Siddhar poetry and all this ancient poetry. So there was one poetry which said, don't sin, heart, oh heart, don't sin, because if you sin, the, you know, Yama will come and take your, mm -hmm. very interesting one. So yeah. I said, oh, maybe we should make this as a song and keep this coming in as a you know antidote for for this one mm -hmm. and that song came in and he's like i don't need the song where did you give it me like that kind of a two days later i think the song is uh, kind of matching the thing and how did you figure it out i said i don't know it just came at random so <laughs> i watched the movie and i felt like there's a craziness about this stuff and then right. just on the piano i was just singing I said, can you write? And there was actually like five different ideas. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have time to edit it. So I sent it and I said, can you write lyrics on this? So one month later, they record. I was in Dubai, mm -hmm. the expo, working with Shekhar Kapoor. They do the chorus and I listen to the stuff and they're like, oh, this is a mess. I need to edit that and make it into a song. And by then he was impatient and he cut that stuff and put it already. And I was like, what has he done? <laughs> I've not even edited it. And then I saw it, I was like, and then he calls me and said, like, everybody's stunned by this stuff. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is nice. So this is the kind of, uh, you know, relationship with the director and the composer and the trust. And mm -hmm. I could say, no, stop. I, I, I will have to edit and give it to you. So for somebody who doesn't really understand how movie making works, the industry works, um, a director comes to you, they say, this is a scene or this is what we want to do hey, we need a background score, kind of thing. Like, how does the process work? Like, you know, where does it start? What over years, uh, yeah, over years, what, like, uh, my biggest problem was when I started, I was playing for every composer in South. Mm -hmm. And I was just worried that, you know, all those influences would come. Um, and I, I would know what to do, which is my worry, which was my worry. Mm -hmm. I said, I should not know what to do, but I should feel what, comes within the movie and I should get that sound. So then I stopped watching movies. Like you were worried about it not being original? Yeah, okay. so because, oh, that composed, subliminally you have all these influences. Influences, right. right. Then what I did was, okay, this movie's about, like when Deepa Mehta came in, mm -hmm. the movie's about, you know, suppression and this yeah. and that. So I didn't watch the movie, I said, Deepa, I'm just gonna give you like five or six music bits mm -hmm. and see whether it matches. So I just went creating the soundscapes and melodies and then gave it to her. So you didn't watch the movie, you just... I watched the movie you first watched the movie and first. forgot it. I didn't yeah. put that and started scoring yeah. to it. Got it. Then okay. she took it and then started posting it. Okay. And then that's how the soundtrack was done. It's kind of interesting, kind of like a ballet between you and the director where you get some parts on them, you know, unfinished. You, you know, infuse your creativity, your energy and you give it back and then it inspires. I mean, it kind of bounces back and forth. It's like a yeah. creative on both sides. So these are the things which um, surprises people. How did you conceive it? Because. If I look at the scene, then I'll know, oh, I know I need to put a tempo map here, mm -hmm. i play some notes, I'm just filling it up. I'm not getting a soul out of what the movie is demanding. Mm -hmm. So that balance is slowly coming now, like where to stop, where to, that stops and where, mm -hmm. you know? One, one of the funny things I was uh, listening to you about was you said in the 90s, maybe later, you know, you used to have pressure to deliver, you know, for example, let's say there's Diwali. a Rajnikan movie for Diwali, <laughs> right? It may be multiple movies releasing on Diwali, which is a huge, huge, maybe the biggest Indian festival. The problem, yeah, the problem is like uh, the way people used to work those days, take a big studio, 
they'll have 70 musicians, one guitar and violin and drums and everything. So they can just give the score and boom, it's done in three hours or three days. <laughs> but with me, I was just playing every damn instrument. <laughs> and I was feeding it because I wanted a particular sound. And I didn't have the facility of having all those musicians in my home studio. And power cuts in Chennai? Power cuts, yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll hire a generator and there'll be a lot on the street and, and there'll be rain and oh my God, don't tell me. And so what does it mean then to deliver like for Diwali a really big hit song? Uh, so work overnight, like m morning as one film, evening on another film, you know. Wow. Okay. So even now I'm doing the same thing. I'm touring, <laughs> but um, every, I'm just, getting my musicians into the hotel room and he's scoring for mm -hmm. But how does Cobra that work? <laughs> you know, but you know, you can't always be creative that way, right? Like it's, there is both a structure and process, but creativity Cre doesn't come from just you know, the pressure. No, the thing is, um, yeah, you're right. But when you start a movie, there's certain ideas and then we develop the songs. Yeah. Some of the ideas come from the songs. and Some of them are just fillers, you know, when people are fighting, nobody's gonna listen to anything. Mm -hmm. You just need drums and ta -ta 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 and all this stuff. So you know there's some generic stuff you need to finish. I mean that is workflow. Yeah. So. Um, so we want to do this thing where we want to kind of go through some of these songs which have been big parts of our life and childhood. And yeah. we talked about Chinna Chinasa from Roja, but kind of talk about your memories from making that. So uh, next we're going to talk about Thrida Thrida, where you talked about how, you know, Kunjimna uh, and you know, Mani Nathanam uh, sort of being like, oh my God, this is going to cost so much money. What was that experience <laughs> like? Uh, no, that was for uh, Veerabandi, I think. Oh, right, okay. So, um, so he liked one particular tune and I kept working on it and then I started adding drums. Then Mr. Vairamuthu gave around eight and he was always slipping out that one Veerapandi Kotaile mm -hmm. and he would select this and this is better. I will always go back to that stuff. I said, AR, don't do this to me. I have to now build a fort. That's why I was like trying to... <laughs> And then they built a fort, it rained and they had to rebuild it and it was a mess. But it came out well. I mean, it, I mean yeah, yeah it's, it's iconic, the song. Yeah. Uh, and the other song we were talking about just before this was uh, maybe one of the earliest duets which influenced me was Anjali, you know, Anjali Anjali, right? Which I talk, just the arrangement of the song is beautiful. Like, what was the process? What was the thinking behind that song? Thinking is just simple. I'm working with a legend called Balachandar, sir, and he has done some of the most amazing music, and whether it's MS Vishwanathan or um, Mr. Ilya Raja. So I was like, I have to try and come to a level where <laughs> it's <laughs> digestible. And but the thing was, the platform was different. He is a sax player, and he loves um, you know Carnatic music. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to mix both and also give a whole new feel to the whole thing. So that's how Anjali came in. Uh, talk to us about Lagan. You know that by from we don't again we are not from the industry itself, but from the outside perspective, it's again one of those like completely changed, redefined how um, movies could be made. Like it's a period film, it's a historic film, uh, which takes in the world of like cricket, which is like basically a religion in India. Yeah. Um, it was like, you know, you have Amir Khan, you have this high stakes kind of like cast and everything. Usually what I do is I listen to the, no, it, it, the producer was a friend, Jammu Sagan, he produced Rangila. And he came and said, um, there's a movie I'm producing and this director called Ashutosh and Amir is um, also, you know, Amir is the hero of the yeah. movie. So, so I spoke to Ashutosh and Ashutosh seemed to be like a very informative, musical oriented, sympathetic mm -hmm. to music. So I said, okay, so I, working with this guy, I think we're going to bring some good music. And then Amir was there and 
and everybody kept saying, oh, this director has not done hit films, why are you doing this one? It's about cricket, movies about cricket won't run. Mm -hmm. Everywhere I go, it'll be like stories like, why are you doing this, why are you doing this, why are you doing this? I said, I'm doing it. I don't have any explanation. Why did you do it? I don't, I don't even think. Sometimes I, f I feel the vibe is good, I do it. Okay. Did you have a sense in fact, of this movie is going to become There are many people who came and told me, like, don't do some wrong. <laughs> wow. Okay, wow. Okay, we should talk about that. That's we should go there next. So, don't wait, do this stuff. Yeah. Don't do this stuff. And anyway, I don't want to I mean, but you look at Lagan, right? In every track, which is unique, very different. Um, you look at, like, Western music, like, vocals, English vocals, like, mixed in. Musical theatre kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Musical theatre kind of thing. What is the thinking there? Like, how do you think about this is what is going to look good, feel good? Everything evolved. Like, we would do something and then Ashutosh should come up with an idea. Then Amar would come once or twice. So, they all literally lived in at Panchitan. Mm -hmm. I see. All of them. I remember Khatija was like four years old. <laughs> do you remember feeling like this movie is going to become a hit? Uh, I didn't care. <laughs> That's something very powerful. Like, it, it, because... Um, no, we, because if we keep thinking like that, you can, it's not about hit or, like movies which they thought were terrible have become classics now. You know, when Dilse released, mm -hmm. everybody looked at it as though, like a mourning thing, look at me and, you know, and then after the Oscars, I, I was in Warner Brothers or somewhere and then one lady uh, executive ran and I was coming out and said, if you meet Bani Ratna, tell him that I watched this Dilse 40 times, <laughs> you know? That's amazing. So exactly, yeah. So how can you just define, because some of the stuff, they don't get it on the, when it releases. Yeah. As a musician, I, it's important to have, you know, hits and everything, but your music is going to live or the yeah. shot, or whatever they're shooting and the expression is going to live. And for me, I think, yeah, it's the experience which counts. Yeah, so you mentioned Slumdog Millionaire, so let's go there, right? So you're working with Danny Boyle. What was the experience like working in like the Hollywood setup and that process? Because in sort of ways, I think we are sitting in hotel room in the US. A lot of the folks here got exposed to you through that movie. Hmm. I actually I didn't know Danny Boyle before. <laughs> I um, I knew that he did Train Spotting, mm -hmm. yeah. And then Train Spotting was known for music. So here is a director who's well respected. And he curates music beautifully. That's it. Let's do the movie. And then I saw the movie and I felt like, this is like, um, he said first, like, I've done many movies. I don't know. This is very different. I don't know. I don't know how to judge it. Hmm. So then I called him and said, this seems to be like something. This is like Shawshank Redemption meets mm -hmm. something amazing. So, and he was like, I'm so happy. Thank you. You're doing right. And then I started sending him like stuff on email. I think I said him around 14, 15 ideas. He selected around 9, 10. So I said, can I score the whole movie? Because he never has one composer for the whole movie. Oh, okay. So if you have the time, please do it. Then I sent him various ideas. Okay. So he put all that stuff. Then there was a song. Then the song, uh, it, it had, I think, Dil Chata Hai song, I think, in it. Yeah, yeah. I said, let's do original song. Then Jai Ho is done. Right. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff came to. And you're also collaborating with but, like but MIA speed, and like all these. Yeah, the speed at which literally three weeks was what we had. For the whole wow. thing, for all yeah. the wow. tracks. So we're literally doing, I'm using three, four studios together. Wow. wow. I'm sitting in London. We're recording MIA in New York. We're recording Alka Yagnik in Mumbai. Our boys were doing recording rhythms in Chennai. And all done, doing in Skype. That time Zoom was not there, Skype was. Wow. <laughs> but Danny's. 
his creative process different from in you know, say other directors you worked with yeah i think he is very young the way he thinks and for him it's either full music or no music mm-hmm. music should drive that scene he doesn't put something like a wallpaper under and so that's one of the reasons why whatever everything was highlighted all the right. music was highlighted and jai ho all these songs are iconic so i want to get to the oscar right winning the oscars being there such a proud moment for you know all of us and what was that like for you and what how did your life change what doors did it open afterwards uh the doors which opened was like everybody knows me in hollywood mm-hmm. even if i don't know them <laughs> i'm the only brown guy i think <laughs> i think people know you they are i think people yeah, know yeah i can walk anywhere oh the slum dog that composer brown composer you want to get mobbed when you walk anywhere but people yeah, know yeah yeah so and also in my life i never went for parties i never would i didn't have time so when i came back i bought a house and then i set up the studio um I, because i'm a member of the academy i'll get all this invitation spielberg invites you jj abrams invites you <laughs> walt disney invites you so i went and for a would you show up i had yeah. a car yeah how was the experience like you know so all the stuff i never did yeah. i went and met people yeah. and uh, even though i would not stay there much like yeah. i would just stay for 10 15 minutes because loud music and people drinking and and claustrophobic so yeah. i'll just say i smile and come up as is mental image of like one of the most famous indians kind of like road tripping around you know showing up and then like walking out it's just it's oh, but so I, i think it's you know it's not very different from what we kind of do because it's like i like the idea of being invited <laughs> but i don't really want to show up there like you know it's kind of nice to like that is nice i think the it's it's the way where you interact and they know you better mm-hmm. yeah otherwise you know the silence between two people think that oh maybe he's thinking like that maybe he's busy yeah, yeah, yeah. You maybe don't maybe have maybe those maybe boundaries yeah. anymore i remember yeah. going for the disney party and i was doing million dollar arm yeah they invited me for frozen so it was also i think 90th birthday of um, walt disney mm-hmm. there was a statue and then my music editor was john was there so i was taking a selfie like like this and i looked back Hundred people are looking at me. <laughs> 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 I was the only brown person. So. I was talking to uh, I won't name this person, like a well-known actor, and they said, you know, and this person said, like, when I won an Oscar, I thought it wouldn't matter, but what wound up happening was I got much more latitude later, right? People would trust me on decisions. I would get bigger budgets. People would, you know, I had more creative control. Did you wind up having like more say, more control, more power after the Oscar? Internationally, definitely not in India. I mean, because you already yeah, internationally, I think. Uh, like if you take um, the gent film festival or mm-hmm. going to iran and meeting um majid majidi mm. and he was one of the toughest directors to work with he has such an intense mind and large vision to satisfy him was the toughest and was also very exciting to work with him mm-hmm. on the messenger of god soundtrack um yeah and then forming the Firdaus Orchestra in Expo. Expo, how was that? And then building a studio for the Expo and and writing arrangements for western classics like, you know, Moonlight Sonata and mm-hmm. all that was much more. all the musicians will respect you because you got Oscar. You because <laughs> you played that. <laughs> no, no, not because of that. I think they know. Oh, but right. you're more recognizable yeah. for them. Yeah. because they don't have exposure to you as such or they can just watch you on the street and you're going to you're going to get mobbed pretty much uh, anywhere one interesting journey i want to ask you about is you know you've gone from you know composer to now producing and you know writing the screenplay and directing a movie yeah. um and talk to us about that because i feel like and what is that kind of like role 
shifting that role? How has that been like for you? I think again, post Oscars, um, in India, you know, you, you go for a camera exhibition, they'll say, oh, you come for a camera exhibition, sir. Yeah. Are you buying it? Are you renting it? Yeah. So all these questions will be asked. So there, nobody cares about anything. So I can walk into the Red Store or mm -hmm. Ari Store or, you know, so. Actually, can we talk about that? How, when did you start? Because what one thing we're chatting about right before is you are, you know, maybe next to Aarti, <laughs> both of you are huge gadget, especially camera nerds, right? Yeah. When did that start? What have you collected? Tell I us don't that. know if, I, you know, we were talking to Shankar yeah. too. I don't know if other uh, folks who are like deep into music, great music, are also interested in like red cameras and things like that. So uh, when did that start? That came in because uh, of music videos. Why can't we shoot our own music videos and all that stuff happened. And um, I think once Mukesh Ambani ji asked me like, can you direct this video or something like that. <laughs> I said, why did he ask me? I'm a musician. And then once Andrew Lloyd Webber, Mr. Andrew Lloyd Webber, he asked me in 2000, said, do you have any stories with you? I said, why is he asking me with the stories? So why is he asking me this? I'm just a composer. And then I was this like, just Bombay a composer? Drinks. Why can't we be more? And, yeah. and because we are telling stories through music and it's just one step. You're learning the art of, you know, and then I started writing this little post on Facebook and we'll check out what people are saying. And mm -hmm. I said, okay. And then stories seemed to come in. And then one day I was sitting with my wife and to cheer up her up, she lo loves perfumes. And she said, um, so we decided, okay, let's do a movie on perfumes and build a theater with all these pipes and we'll have laser projectors. Protect Hold on, there's a lot. No, okay. no, wait, wait, wait. Starting like with, okay, save the cat like... and writing a story to, <laughs> we have a theater with... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I said, let's build this. And then she, and she used to watch all these crime stories. So we came up with this story just, okay, there's a girl and her parents get killed and she is, this is dumped on the, yeah. you know, in a laundry basket and she smells these three people and she comes back as a femme fatale and gets that. So that's the story. And then um, I spoke to, no, this man gave a VR device. <laughs> and I saw that and he said, yeah, you should check this VR. Yeah. It's an old Oculus. Right. right. So I, I said, I'm not going to put that thing in my thing. And I oh, threw it, it like off. it was like DK2 or something, right? Yeah. 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 No, after that. Somebody. After okay. It was okay. the uh, Samsung, oh, Samsung right, Gear right. VR. Yeah. yeah. So then I threw it and then in one day again I was feeling board and that's okay buy a Samsung you know phone for this and so that came in and I was like oh my god I just saw one visual for almost 10 minutes it's just a still in 3d mm -hmm. in 360 then I said why don't we put that idea into this one you know instead of building a theater this right. is the theater right and because you don't get this proximity and all this stuff so that started then Intel came in and said oh that's a great idea I will support it they gave all the render farms and all those things then Positron came in and then we did a previous with dummies at my school, um, the college, music college. And then we casted Nora and Guy and went to Rome and... <laughs> I mean, I feel Boom. like you're just jumping through a few Yeah, it became like a few years too. It became yeah, like exactly. a process. Uh, everything happened like within four or five months. Yeah. Then I said, wait, I'm going to release it in two months. And said, I said, no, 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 no. The stitching is not good enough, so we need to. We need another year. Mm -hmm. It went to six years. What was it like yeah. to suddenly be in the role of director, producer? The main idea behind was to see what else music can do in movies. Yeah. 
if you can do both together, what, what, are, the, what are the possibilities? Even though it's very exhausting to do a movie. There's so many different hats. And so Air, now that you have released one uh, VR movie, what type of things are, going, you, are you going to do in future? Or what type of cameras and stuff are you working on? So the whole idea about cameras came in much more with, we were trying to hack cameras to get proximity in mm -hmm. the vision and how do you surpass all the stitching problems and what is the most natural and find a, we found a way to the software and hardware with my boys Sri Rag, Anand and Hashim who are sitting back in India and they cracked something amazing and everybody's like, how did you get this? Did you do a volumetric capture on it? Mm. So, no, <laughs> it's just we are filming but our trick, secret we have kept and so everybody in fact in, and at Khan, Premier was asking, yeah. how do you do this, how do you do this? And so I have to give it to my team, amazing team which I... Uh, so there is the VR aspect, then there is the smell, perfume yeah. aspect, which is, you know, I've VR, I haven't experienced this. Well, talk to us about that. Which is why the whole thing started, because we wanted to do something with smell. So I talked to Grace Boyle, who's Danny Boyle's daughter, and she said she has a company called Feelies, and, and I asked her, um, she was doing one smell, so I said, can you, can you do multiple? And we researched in many other universities back in labs in, in England, then finally found a Japanese company mm -hmm. which was doing this device. Then got an Algerian perfumer who made a special perfume for Le Musk. Then made that, capsulized that one. <laughs> then we have like six smells now, which okay. in combination tell, um, is scripted on the screenplay. So it comes at whenever needed. And all this is on the Positron chair, right? Yeah, so it's hosted on a chair called Positron, <clears throat> which has a computer, HMD, it moves according to, so you don't have to break your neck. How, and how was, it, uh, how was it at Khan? Like, did you, did you feel like, now I know what directors go through? <laughs> no, it was very, very strange. Why, in what way? Because if, when you do a first thing, mm -hmm. Um, because it's a new thing, there's red carpet for everything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lemus guys have come in. And they've actually tweeted um, on Instagram, they, they, on, they put it out on Instagram saying that they are, had a question saying, which is your favorite movie at Cannes? They put Lemusk. Wow. Oh, wow. And so I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so many different filmmakers come in and, and go and then they put this one. And it's because of the, the I mean the technology, of course, because mm -hmm. what it does and how we used it, and how we made um, the sensible and sensitive to to the audience. So, yeah. How how did you find the rules around? You know, in one you talked about reading Save the Cat, for example. How do you find the rules around telling a story similar to but different to the rules around music? When to follow them? When to break them? Engagement. That's it. How I think I always it? feel like, even while doing a song, if you're telling me like, oh, it should be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, it all, it's all changing now, you know? Mm -hmm. You can have verse, something else, something else, chorus, mm -hmm. something else, music, chorus. Mm -hmm. So you just need to remember the song and, and be engaged about it, not feeling bored, I've listened to it before. You need surprises, you need something, you need to give something new and so the perspective of even taking an old story and and giving a building a world which is new for them to get out, and this is where spirituality comes in. You know, when you go to this world of spirituality, you feel like 
redeemed, you feel like light, you feel like life is worth living, there's hope. Mm -hmm. So can we bring that in, in movies? Can we bring that in music? Mm -hmm. Can we bring that in lyrics? The whole idea of um, art is that actually, mm -hmm. transporting people and showing a page which should transform their mind or showing a visual or a, or a music piece which should take them out of the misery. <laughs> You're all in misery. <laughs> uh, you once talked about, I think, uh, you know, some of your work, best, really good work happens when you're kind of flying, you know, long distance international flights, you're flying over the North Pole or somewhere and you have your laptop and you're kind of above everybody and you're also kind of away from or, everybody. Or, or at night alone by or, yourself. Or you're alone in a hotel room away from your family and you're, you know, just by yourself. Here we are, we're surrounded by a crew, we're kind of you're in a particular mindset, you have a show which is going to be sold out in front, front of like thousands of people soon and that is very different from you alone. How do you kind of figure out how to get into that mental zone state? What works for you? I think over time you practice all that. <laughs> so you can be in a lift with a crowded thing, you can be in alone. You can be in a, in a chaotic place, you can be alone. Or you can be alone and can be disturbed by so many demons in your mind. Has anything changed with how you think about like, now I need to get into the zone? Like, do you have like a process, rituals, things that you do? Yeah, I just meditate. I meditate yeah. and then so if I can't meditate, if I can't get my mind, I don't even work. Got it. So I'll be just, I'll be browsing, I'll be going to camera shops. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a zone when I come in and then that's it. Yeah. My door is locked. So my son, is, he dreads to come in when I'm, <laughs> look, daddy, you looked at me as though I'm like, a, sorry, this how I need to concentrate. So yeah. access is denied. You talked about uh, VR, we're talking about gadgets, cameras. Uh, talk to us about AI. You know, I am told that you you have some interest in AI. Yeah, um, I think he even attended a course. I did at a MIT course in MIT, like with. Um, what, what, wait, what so course? Imaging is and AI and cluster computing and all this stuff. Just. But, but, I, that is crazy, right? There's a bunch of like you know we have a lot of people at MIT. There's a bunch of like CS students and you look around and it's like you know AR sitting next to you. Like that visual is just like quite remarkable. Actually, I had, I was supposed to babysit my kids. They're taking a Berkeley course, <laughs> summer course. So what to do now? And I let them lose, like, you go, come anytime. This place is safe. And so then I asked, like, uh, one of my friends, is there a course in, about, yeah, yeah, I'm at East next. So then I met Ramesh Raskar, and then he said, yeah, let's come take this course. And it was helpful. Yeah. What, what did you, like, what did you learn? What do you, how do you, do you apply any of it? If you want a job as an AI engineer, <laughs> I know some people. <laughs> if this whole music thing doesn't work out, you know. <laughs> Actually, what? Because I'm a synthesizer, I'm with algorithms and operators and all this stuff in the past, what, 30 years now? Yeah. No, 35 years. So it's just a, you know, one step away thing. It's not that something new for me. And I've been dealing with all this stuff, right. you know, microprocessors and synthesizers and computers and samplers and form and shifting. Mm. One question could be, you know, that's kind of this debate about whether AI, especially in music or art, uh, can take over, replace human creativity. Yeah, I think this question keeps coming again. Like when samples came in. Yeah. And we could sample a violin or a trumpet. They said, oh my God, all these people are going to lose jobs. Yeah. But actually, it made us realize the, the value of an acoustic instrument. Mm. The recording, how we can record it differently, how, you know, it, that even that also grows. It's not the same old mono recording. Now we have, you know, Atmos and the way a single instrument can fill in the whole hemisphere of sound mm -hmm. is different. So everything evolves. When you think about 
you know, AI and how you're applying it, right? Like for us, we, 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 we've talked recently about uh, DALI 2. And so for us, I think, is there, like, do you ever think about like applying, you know, any of these in yes, the world even, of music? <coughs> even as tools to do some of the other things that you Yeah, know, I think okay. there are uh, some of the stuff like, you know, if you take mixing, there's certain frequencies we don't, frequencies we don't hear. Mm -hmm. And now AI, um, with AI help, you know, which are the frequencies which are disturbing. Right. What is lacking in a mix? So we can we can get all that stuff. Some of the organic stuff is really cool. And sorting out samples. You, mm -hmm. know, you literally take something. Now it does all the all those things which took like ages to compile. So I think the many uses of it. I don't think it's gonna maybe one or two compositions might come out, mm -hmm. but any lyric or any any um, stuff it needs to be cohesive, it has to come from a human being. Mm -hmm. So far. I think. Mm -hmm. So that's a job which can't be taken, hopefully. Taken away as <laughs> yeah. such, yeah. I mean, I think for us, we think about it, like I think similar to you, we think about it as like role of AI. We also get asked a lot of questions about like, is it like replacing work that humans do as such? But I feel like for like us... Take, sorry, yeah. Yeah. like the camera. Um, you know, there's a, you, there used to be a, a role of a focus puller. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now the new cameras, <laughs> if you just touch that person's eye, you can come in, you can walk, and it, it gives you depth of field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. And yeah. that's, I mean, it can't do many other things which mm -hmm. focus pullers can do, but if if I want to walk and do an interview with, with focus, follow focus. Yeah, it's, I think through, for 100 years ago, people would say when the gramophone came out, right, there used to be this letters to editors saying, you know, our people won't sing outside and sing songs anymore. This would be the end yeah, exactly. of yeah. the music, right? Yeah. Or when Google came out, like, well, you know, you'll never remember things. But every time we've been augmented mm -hmm. and, you know, that has been good and bad, but we've been augmented. And I feel like all these AI tools... I, mean, I generally think it's like net positive, uh, all of these tools. I think, one, it kind of makes... It makes you something else come from the humans. Exactly. Like the, because we constantly evolve as human yes. beings. And also I think you realize that there are some things that you can actually, you don't need to focus on and do. Yeah. There are like other creative work that you can actually put I mean, your mind uh, uh, um, What do you call it? An evil mind will always think about how do I take off jobs. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you have to be human in every aspect, then you make decisions which are good for the human beings, yeah. good for humanity, good for people, for creativity good for art, and you bring beauty to the world. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how we see it. We see it like tech is like net positive for yeah. mankind, right? Like we are techno-optimists at heart. Optimistic view yeah. of yeah, things, exactly. right? Yeah, there's a lot more things, uh, new things coming. In a different direction, you mentioned your kids. How has becoming a parent changed, you know, your work, your changed the process. music you create? Yeah. I, when I married, it was a very spiritual decision. I married for spiritual reasons, and then had kids for spiritual reasons, and but they grew up and this sense of responsibility comes in. Mm. And also, if you don't concentrate on them, they're gonna become some, something else. And you're hiring people, but they should be, you know, be taught and nurtured. Then you see different other parents, how they nurture the kids and how they become like these geniuses. And I learned from them, oh my God, look at that. He's left but his job. But do you worry about like not spending time with them? Like, did you used to worry about that stuff? Where I, no, because my house, and then at the backyard was my studio. Got it. It's my studio, so that's not changed. Okay, never, I never used to like the studio toilet, so I built my own studio. <laughs> <laughs> what about the fact that, you know, we think of us like, you know, 
you know, you came from limited means and, you know, and obviously achieved great success. Your kids are obviously, you know, are, are going to have a very different upbringing to the one that you came up with. Uh, and they had a different upbringing. Like, how do you think about it? Because we think about this a lot, you know, where our kids are, you know, we've been fortunate. They're going to have very different They're upbringing. They're not going to have our have. childhood and our resources well, or lack thereof. Yeah, but you just, they just mirror you. Simple. Okay. You can't be some somebody else and tell them to be somebody else. They just mirror you. Simple formula. But how do you be you... a good person? They'll be a good person. You act indifferently to people. They'll be that. And but that's what I realized. You speak change... bad words. They speak bad words. <laughs> does it change how you look at things like wealth or fame when you know when your kids are involved? Um, like, for instance, my son. Um, I used to go to the, the Sufi shrines, and for me, am I getting um, uncomfortable seeing poor people? Am I getting uh, a kind of thing I need to run away? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to test this. It's like if that happens, that something is gone from me. Mm -hmm. You know, some humanity is gone from me. So I'll stand there and they do all the stuff. Tear my shirt, everything, let them do it. And uh, I said, okay, my son from the age of five would give money to people. Mm -hmm. He will patiently give. And even now when I, I take him, he will he'll probably even leave the prayer halfway. Mm -hmm. And he'll go and give everybody, daddy had given everybody. So he has this temperament of, you know, dealing with it mm -hmm. and addressing that. And as an empathy thing, I think I felt it's the most important thing. And um, so I'm proud of that fact alone. Do you worry <laughs> Many about... other things are bad of me. <laughs> but do you ever think about like, you know, the legacy that you'll be, leave behind for them, right? Like what, what no, I think it's the wrong thing. end up doing? It's the wrong thing to think like that. It's, uh, they understand by themselves where mm -hmm. they are. And uh, they don't have to reinvent the wheel, first of all. Mm. So where we leave, they should take it further, is instilled on them. And it's very important for them to have good friends. I mean, if they have bad friends, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> so we just have to be careful about that one. Got it. If you instill the foundation of how we came in, and not bore them with that, <laughs> they will say that your life is different, my life is different. Your dad was poor, my dad is rich. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think you should be friends with the kids. Mm -hmm. Simple. And uh, just like so we are just mirrors and they just look at us. Do you ever gonna... think about like I have to raise them really smart? Like, you know, are there no, like attributes, I, characteristics? I only, that is again a spiritual answer. You know, I always feel my prayers of my mother mm -hmm. is what made me and prayers of parents are going to make the kids mm -hmm. and you know that's that's the whole cycle I feel like more than the intention of what you have for the kids and this and the concern you have I think will make them you have to be in that circle of spirituality I think. we were talking about our mothers before this and it's amazing and I think you, you've been talking for years about your spirituality and how important it is to you could you talk to us about the connection between God spirituality and the work you do it's unexplainable. I think sometimes when you, um, whatever you believe in, you you see this, every creation is so unique. And when we do it, it takes so much of time to even make something out of paper. A or replica or, of it. Replica of it. Yeah. And you feel like, then you surrender. You mm -hmm. there is, whatever it's called, you know, you surrender to the mastery and the beauty of what's every creation is. Each of us are different. And then... You look at nature, you look at now the galaxy and 
and more and more you discover you you feel are so small, you know, and that's special. You saw the new NASA photos. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, so if we can lose ourselves and be not non-existent, mm -hmm. and only that exists, is the secret of spirituality. You've been you know the top of the industry for thirty years, and hopefully you have many many more many more decades. You know, if you had to look back many many decades in the future, and if, if you haven't been all part of AI singularity, and one piece of AI is amazing at producing music because that's where you know, it's, it's part of AR. Um, what would make you happy? Like, what would you want to have accomplished from now till then, or you already accomplished everything? What would make you happy and fulfilled? I'm happy now. <laughs> <laughs> it's I think for every second we um, we do things for others. You yeah. know, music is actually serving. You're doing this for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is the secret of I think happiness. Not accumulating yourself. Sharing is happiness. I feel like goodness and kindness and whatever knowledge you have, you know, manifesting it into something beautiful. That's happiness. You know, my school. We're educating kids, mm -hmm. and we're educating underprivileged kids. We're all kind of kids, and they are becoming composers and you know, um, singers. And then they're doing so many recording engineers, and and their life is made. You mm -hmm. know? And that actually gives a reason for you to excel, be, to be passionate about to things. Do more. Yeah. Yeah. And now that makes me think about. What are these kids going to do? They're learning this amazing art from the college, and so now we need to collectively do something with them so that we can make a statement out of it. Everything evolves from one intention to another one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything creatively that you would want to do, or professionally, where you're like, for example, build a company, you know, play on Mars? Like, is there something <laughs> crazy out there that you you know that you have? In my lifetime, or I even create a platform for other kids, like yeah. you were saying, yeah. Uh, I want to see a concert on Mars. But I mean, you, yeah. you clearly inspired him. He basically mentioned that you inspired him to start Odyssey. Yeah, could you tell the story? Yeah. Because I think that's very cool and very inspiring. So, so uh, it was actually, I had started Odyssey, and um, Sandal from Real Image introduced me. At that time, it was more or less a hobby, because I was still designing video cards and other things. I took the headphones to show it to him. First time he called me, he was And in, uh, you I didn't was, know him at that time? No, he had just an email introduction, and he actually replied almost immediately. I was surprised that, um, and the first time he called me, I was in Rome. I was like, oh my God, I lost the chance to meet AR. Mm -hmm. Then next he said, uh, next time when I'm in LA, I'll call you. And he actually called, and uh, they were doing a movie at Capitol Records. Mm. And uh, it was a Hindi movie. Jut, Jut, Jutahi. So I went there, and uh, he said, he doesn't do it, and said, hey, this is good. You know, and I, I just he asked me what I was doing. I said I was doing it as a hobby, and I still remember. He said you should quit and do this full time. That was <laughs> what he said. <laughs> and, but it, it 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 gave us such a big confidence, right? So you don't really, you know, you have looked up to him, and it gave us a lot of confidence to go. No, ahead I'm always and do intrigued it. about people from India um, going into science and innovation. Um, you, you don't see you don't see an Apple in India. You don't see a Microsoft in India. You don't see a Samsung in India. Why? We have everything, <laughs> and we have minds like this. So. Wherever somebody does that, it intrigues me, and I feel like I follow them up and see what they're doing. And yeah, and so that's how you know that gave us confidence to quit my job and stuff like that. But you, like even before this, you worked on Red Cameras. You did Red Rocket. Red Rocket, yeah. yeah. I worked on Red, Red Rocket Cameras. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. clearly he picked the right person to go like work on this full time, right? Because Odyssey yeah. is like it's a you know I worked with you before. It's the the yeah. pair of headphones that I feel like every top musician 
has yeah. uses all the time. So clearly, too expensive for me though. <laughs> uh, well, Come on, I was going to say. Right? Some iPhones are expensive. I was going to say next time you encourage somebody to start a company, you should be like, hey, I want some equity in the equity company, in the company right? Yeah. So when you get. Uh, so, but, but I think it's not just with me, right? You can see, I I see a lot of other people now. So this time at Nam, I was talking to Bharat Venkatesan to say, hey, we should have a dinner with all these people because I see Chetan doing this card. Chetan's a, one of the arrangers, sound engineers from my studio. So mm -hmm. now he started his own plugin called. Perfect pitch. Mm -hmm. wow. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, pitch, uh, pitch innovation. So pitch innovation. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. fluid. Pretty pitch. amazing. And uh, he, they do call. And he won the uh, best MIDI plugin award twice. Wow. Yeah. Already. Nice. And then uh, we had another person, um, Satish. Yeah. From yeah, he was doing Satish a Shakur. black magic uh, pedal. Uh, sorry, black. Uh, I don't know what is it called. <laughs> Sustain something pedal. sustained pedal. So I see a lot more things. You know, I think uh, it's not just me. It's he inspires a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's amazing. I love that story because it's like, and then your parents go, well, if you had Raman say so, it's probably good. <laughs> then it, it probably has to be uh, like somewhat uh, good. Yeah. Creatively, you know, um, is there something where like, I haven't checked that box yet. I want to, you know, someday go, I mean, you've directed, you've made a movie now, you've collaborated with pretty much anybody. You you have the Unreal set and created 3D spaces. I, yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah, yeah. actually, we're, we're talking about where, where Something is coming out, I don't want to okay, prematurely okay, say. Okay. <laughs> uh, the most interesting thing I, I want to do is like, um, probably introduce theater and direction and um, acting and all the stuff in, in schools and in Chennai, in Tamil Nadu, so that um, because Tamil language has this amazing rhythmic quality and mm. the sound of it. So if they produce musicals, they produce things in the right way, it'll be something which the world can cherish. And so even students of ours and maybe teaming up with other schools. That um, and that's part of the curriculum. But, but more like, not like uh, amateur thing, but more like Broadway or more like Cirque du Soleil. Oh, so like musical. Yeah. yeah. I love that I would have done that when I was a kid, uh, you know, when it was, the focus was like, you know, you should be good at mathematics and chemistry and physics. I would have definitely been a theater kid. Uh, I think you would have been good at that. I think I would stick with math. I think that's what yeah. I would have wanted to do because I feel like... Fine. Uh, yeah. Fine, we don't need a less session. You, yeah, come to you know, like, I think you'd ask for this, this too. Like, you want uh, Indians to go work on companies like Odyssey. You want, you know, more... Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, technology, innovation, like uh, gadgets, uh, you know, things like that, like being able to... you know, all my life I've been buying stuff which is invented by Western people or Japanese or Chinese and it's nice and I really am humbled by that but why can't Indians do that? So, I think yeah. it's actually changing because yeah, you know, it like, because in the mid-2000s, right, like, you know, there was definitely a brain drain and then a lot of the Indian tech companies were the service companies. But in the last five to ten years, right, you've seen this explosion in, in consumer companies. Ecosystem. In the startup ecosystem. Like, we are personally investors in, like, a space rocket company and other yeah, stuff. So, yeah. it's dramatically... Rockets from yeah, the what day. things which I would love to see is sense of art improving. Mm -hmm. The yeah. eye for art, the eye yeah. for innovation. Yeah. The high for um, the, the eye for making human lives better in a design, you know, and it's it's a it's also spiritual. Mm. Beauty is spiritual. Mm. To what you had said earlier, for a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people have come up and told you this. You know, listening to Yar Rahman's music is a spiritual experience where it transcends what that day, whatever difficulty I might have had or, you know, uh, whatever challenges I'm facing in my job or personal life or any of that, transcends all of that. And I think that is the role that you play, whether consciously or not, 
you elevate us from our daily mundane existence mm -hmm. life is a challenge life is a pain and uh, yeah. you just like get us out of that so thank, thank you, you like, for doing that thank you thank you thank you god ella pagar mere mein ke usually say that and yeah. that's that's true because yes. yeah it makes me feel light and we get more that was an incredible episode uh we sat down face to face with uh, one of the people we admire a lot uh, ar rahman and you know Rahman is one of those people who is such a household name for us uh, growing up. We listen to his music and uh, everyone just knew him and we it's just it's such a staple. So we always knew that you know when this day came we would talk about the music um and that was really fun but for me what was really surprising and what was really interesting was him nerding out about technology and AI and gadgets. That I did not expect. So that was like an incredible fun cherry on cake situation. Uh, Shreyam, what was the fun part for you? Good question. Um, you know, I was listening to it again, and uh, you know, I think it was super fun to go into all of his famous songs, and yeah. we got all fanboy out a little bit. Yeah. But I didn't know a lot about his childhood and all his stories about bicycling yeah. to you know all these stores and finding these music magazines and really this. struggle and that shaped him and kind of shaping his work now that was remarkable and you know, really touched me yeah that's awesome um if you had a favorite moment through this interview uh let us know leave us a comment uh you know we just love to hear from you um this is a good time show uh, i'm arthi and this is shriram and uh you know subscribe to us on youtube we have a lot more of these interviews lined up and uh we have so much fun doing them and i hope you had as much fun listening and watching to this one as much as we did uh, filming it and shooting it yeah i know this was a blast hope you enjoyed it